listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Well, after 730 days, it's back. We were robbed last year, but it's back. I've always said sports are the greatest reality show and you can script everything but the ending. But when it comes to March Madness, that goes double. And on that note, welcome back to another edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you could save on your auto insurance. What else are you going to do with your phone for the next few minutes? Look at pictures of food your friends ate? Again, call 1-888-FARMERS for a quote. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. We are just hours away from Selection Sunday, so tonight we take a deep dive into the big day tomorrow and what is to follow over the next few weeks, culminating on April 5th. Steve Fezzik will join us in studio for the entire hour, the only two-time winner of the Hilton Now Westgate Super Contest. And much like the Super Bowl extravaganza, we're going to have a big dance extravaganza show, show tonight, so, so buckle up. Later on, after Brian Finley's update, Sleepy does have a best bet tonight, and then we'll continue to speculate on which school might count down the nets, that is, which school not named Gonzaga or Baylor, which seems to be everybody's darling at this time. Well, maybe a wink and a nod to Illinois now. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Kevin McHale, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. Before we go any further, I want to remind everybody, be sure to join Fox Sports Radio's M-Drive Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. That's right, the Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. If you fill out a perfect bracket at foxsportsradio.com, you will win $1 million. Compete against Fox Sports Radio hosts and fellow listeners. The listener in first place even without a perfect bracket, wins a $1,000 gift card. Second place gets $300, and third place takes home $200. You can pre-register now and get the official rules at foxsportsradio.com, even before the uh, brackets are released. It's the Fox Sports Radio M-Drive Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. Refine your prime with M-Drive. Fez, this is a year like any, un unlike any other year, First of all, to play in the NCAA tournament, a team needs to show seven consecutive negative daily tests before arriving in Indianapolis, then undergo daily testing while inside the controlled environment. Man, that sounds so creepy. Now, Dan Gavitt, the NCAA senior vice president of men's basketball, he said a team needs just five healthy players to play in an NCAA tournament game. What that basically means is five guys who didn't test negative. Mm -hmm. We have no idea if they're healthy, right? <laughs> Just kidding. All right. So Saturday night's the deadline. That's tonight for any team believing it cannot meet the medical protocols to inform that they have to inform the Division I men's basketball committee tonight if they don't think they can, you know, conform. There's also a 48-hour window after the bracket will be announced tomorrow in which teams can be replaced. But when Tuesday at 6 o'clock Eastern rolls around, the bracket is locked. And right now, Fez... It looks like there's no Duke after 24 in a row. They backed up and said, hey, you know what? If you pick us, we'll still go. <laughs> it's like it's one of those like those people that say, I, I don't really care if I go to Joe's birthday party, but he damn weather better well send me an invitation. You care if Duke's in or not? Does it matter to you? Are you nostalgic? I'm, 
Not at all. It's all about, I'm a mercenary. I like to make money. I think That's Duke's right. overrated. That's I right. hope they get in so I can bet against them. Thank you. You made me look smart. Arnie asked me about if the Blue Bloods like Duke and Kentucky not being in there, would it affect the handle? I think we're going to have a monster handle this year. I really do. So much pent-up demand. But Gonzaga, five straight Sweet 16s. Fez, is this the year, Gonzaga? I mean, they three years ago, 2018, they came within one possession of beating North Carolina. They've been knocking on the door for years. Again, the only team in the country, five straight Sweet 16s, is this the year they cut down the nets? No. There's lots of reasons I don't like Gonzaga. Now, don't get me wrong. Gonzaga, they've been the best team throughout the year. And back in December, they were clearly the best team. And they played some good teams, the Kansases, Iowa's, Auburn, Virginia. And they passed all the tests. But what's been happening the last three months? Well, the Zags have been beating up on the West Coast Conference opponents. All the other teams have been playing in tougher environments and getting battle-tested. So the Illinois are getting better. The Michigans are getting better across the board. So Gonzaga, that clearly was the best team back in December. Now, you could make a case, all right, they're still the best team. But the margin that they had over these other teams, I believe, has shrunk considerably they're not battle-tested, and remember, the committee has one job, Bernie. This, I, I know that supposedly they've got multiple jobs, but they've got one prime directive, and that is to help the big conference teams go as deep as possible in the tournament and make sure that the little guys, the mid-majors, do not. It would not surprise me if we don't see the Zags' path to the Final Four being much more difficult than a typical overall number one seed. I'm going to debunk that in a second, but one of the other storylines here, Gonzaga is undefeated. Bobby Knight's 1976 Indiana Hoosiers, the only team to go wire to wire. UNLV in 1991 was undefeated when they lost to Duke in the finals. Everybody thinks the 1990 National Championship team was. No, they weren't. They lost a couple games. And then, of course, uh, Kentucky in 2015, they were undefeated. Then uh, they get they got beat by Wisconsin in the uh, in the in the suite, check that in the final four. Look, I, I heard you talk with RJ the other day. I'm not buying it, and, and we're going to get on and off this real quick. It's not really worth debating. I've talked to people in the room. Most of the stuff on the board are blind resumes, and I know you cited Wichita State. I, I, why did I forget them? I'm sorry. They were undefeated in 2014, Ron Baker and company, and they won their first round game. They killed somebody other than Cal Poly Pomona or somebody like that, and then they played Kentucky. Do you remember how many losses Kentucky had that year? Oh, probably 12 or 13. 11. 11? Okay. Yeah. So, and they were an eight seed. So if you pulled up their blind resume, you wouldn't, might not have even known it was Kentucky. That's why they ended up on the 8-9 line. Yeah, but they're, and they belong there. But their power, well, they probably belong on the 6 line. But their power rating at the time was that of a top 10 team. Carl Anthony Towns, who, by the way, won for 30 tonight, still putting up huge numbers. And the like, that um, team was really. Well, they overachieved as they ended up making it to the finals and lost. That year. Yeah, I mean, but clearly, we, we can talk all we want about blind resume and the, and the tournament committee doesn't know. Well, if they don't know who the teams are, why is it that consistently the num the best, the two best no. mid-majors, the eight, wind up getting matched against each other, eight versus nine seeds, and then the winner gets sent to their death against teams like Michigan State when they're good in Michigan in the second round? Well, that, that, and that'll happen again. San Diego State is a really good mid-major. 
I'd bet they're anything. They're, they're going to be a nine seed. And they're going to play another mid-major. They're going to put San Diego State against the best other mid-major they can, probably Loyola. Again, I will predict Loyola play San Diego State so they can kill off one of these teams in the first well, round. You're a conspiracy theorist. You're thinking this is like Maxwell Smart. They're getting into this dome of silence, and they're coming up with these matchups. I don't. How see many that. years does it have to happen? It, Fez, there is a randomness to life that we can't explain in the show. And you know what? We have to talk about this. Let's have you maybe back in a couple of weeks to compare <laughs> notes. But what I really sure. want to get to are, look, Ken Palm, I'm assuming you respect the Ken Palm website? Yes. Okay, so they were founded in 2002 and by a, a, a very respected uh, analytics guru by the name of Ken Palmer. He started the site. Here's why this is, is significant. 17 of the 18 NCAA championships champions, excuse me, have ranked in the top 20 in Ken Palm's offensive and defensive efficiency ratings. Four teams fit that criteria this year. Gonzaga, which ranks first on offense and 12th on defense. Illinois, which ranks 7th on offense and 6th on defense. And Houston, one of my dark horses, ninth and 8th respectively. And then Michigan, 6th and 5th. But I think losing Isaiah Livers is a death knell to them. He was only averaging 13 points a game. But he brings so much more than that. He's their best three-point shooter from the standpoint of percentage, and he takes pressure off other guys on the floor. Michigan is a pretty good offense, but they're an elite offense with Isaiah Livers. So I think that matters. And we saw the betters turn against Michigan today. Michigan a six-point favorite against Ohio State. Say a six-and-a-half. I even saw a seven at open, closed all the way down to four-and-a-half to five. So the sharp betters looking to fade Michigan with Livers being out. Let's have a little fun here because Gonzaga is still two-to-one at the Westgate. Michigan was five-to-one. Illinois is nine-to-one at the Circa. Houston was 20-to-one. Now they're down to 18-to-one at William Hill. Let's let's have a little fun. Who's, who wins this thing, in your view? Illinois is going to win. I think if you look at the body of work, Illinois is not as good as some of these other number one seats. But if you look at the recency, how this team is playing, and I love the fact that without their best player, they beat Michigan and they blew out Michigan. So I see a team that is gelling at the right time in Illinois. And I also think... Having these games all in Indiana is going to benefit the Big Ten teams. I think they're going to have some familiarity possibly with the venues. And I think that the crowd, and there will be 25% crowd capacity. I think if you don't have a dog in the fight and Tennessee is playing Iowa or West Virginia is playing Illinois, all things being equal, I really feel the crowd will root for the Big Ten brethren being their conference. How do you quantify that, though, with with respect to how that makes them better just because they've got a 25% crowd rooting for them? I mean, the games are going to be in Indiana. There's only one Big Ten team, in, or there's two Big Ten teams in Indiana, Purdue and Indiana, and this just in, the Hoosiers aren't in. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm trying to get my mind around that. I'm not saying you're wrong. You just have to amplify that a little bit. Well, I just think that we're going to see the all things being equal amongst that 25% of the crowd. We're going to see more support, I feel, for the Big Ten teams. And you're right. It's not like it's a packed crowd, so it won't have as much of an impact. What's it worth? Probably half a point. But every half point matters. Every half point matters. Well, hopefully they don't get sick of the food in the cafeteria because the Big Ten teams are living there now. Hmm. They've been there a while, and if they hang, you know, they're going to have to be. I joked around with Arnie. I said the the term bubble has a whole different connotation now. In the past, it was teams were afraid to be on the bubble. Now they're concerned about living in the bubble, and they're going to be there for a while. That's the intent. And by the way, the tournament doesn't start till next Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Really different schedule this year, and they got to test every day, and it's going to be a test of wills for some of these teams. You know what? A team like Georgia Tech has got all this 
senior leadership and veteran guys, they might fare well because they're just, you know, you can draw a parallel into what happened with the NBA. The teams that were prepared, like Miami and the Lakers, that were mature, business-like, were able to keep their wits about them. They got to the finals, the Lakers won it all. Might there be a college team you'd point to that will be able to deal with this? And I think Gonzaga might might fall in that category. You, you know, it's interesting. You bring up Georgia Tech and it, very emotional after they won the ACC today, and you know their their star player almost you know actually brought to tears. Jose you know? Alvarado. Yes, and that's not what I want to see from a team. I don't want to see a team it's crying too, too early. Is what a, you're a, exactly right. I want to see a team like Tom Brady said after they made the Super Bowl. Stop crying. We got another game. We got to we got to play. I will say this. The Big Ten teams, they're all playing in the football stadium, Lucas Oil. Whoever from the Big Ten does make the Final Four and gets to go back to Lucas Oil, I think that's a big edge no one's talking about. Partially because of the sight lines for shooting and stuff, they will be used to it. Is that, is that what you're losing? Yeah, and everyone in the early on in this Big Ten tournament, the shooting was atrocious. I think Wisconsin was like the only team in their first round game to shoot like above 35% from three. It was a, a big struggle for, with the shooting backdrop. The Minnesota Northwestern game set back basketball about 30 years if you caught any of that coming up we're going to talk about some trends fez is going to dive into props what to do what not to do the the ideology behind a mechanical parlay instead of betting a futures bet we're going to talk about art versus science we've got a ton to get to tonight he's uh steve fezzik i'm bernie fratto we're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. You're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you can save a bundle on your car insurance. All right, Fez, like any other sport, there are trends and angles, and the March Madness tournament is no different. Number 12 seeds. It's not just the 12-5 matchup in the first round. It's been so profitable for the last 10 years. 12 seeds in general, 27-14, and 14, three ties in the last 10 years, 66%. you have any thoughts on that? I was thinking about this, and it makes sense to me that if I'm a five seed, I'm already looking ahead. Well, after I win in the first round, I got to play this four seed. So I'm looking ahead to an opponent that's perceived to be slightly better than me. If I'm a 12 seed, Bernie, I'm all in. This is my game, and I can go ahead and play it to the max. And because of that motivational edge, energy edge to the 12 seed. Underdogs of 17 points or more. And in the last 10 years, there have been 43 such lines. Well, I'll tell you, they don't do great straight up. Only one one outright. I believe that was Maryland, Baltimore County. But 61%, the dogs are 61% against the spread. So if you see an underdog of 17 or more, you might want to grab the point. Yeah, and I think part of that is in the second half, especially when somebody gets up 20, already you're like, don't get anybody injured. Certainly don't show anything. We just want to, what, survive and advance. And so two ways to bet that. Bet it pre-flop before the game starts and maybe wait until halftime. Any um, big underdog that's getting crushed probably look to play them second half. Here's another interesting trend. The last 10 years, games involving Big Ten teams, the over, if you bet the over blindly, you're at about 58%. Not bad. Think about that. You know, the Big Ten is such a grinding league. So many. There's a lot of offensive talent. Yeah, you know, this this year really isn't the typical Big Ten. 
um, you know, Michigan State, you know, shoving people around and being so tough and physical. Um, you got teams like Iowa that just run up and down the court. So maybe this is not your father's Big Ten. So maybe that trend doesn't matter anymore. Absolutely. All right. You've already weighed in on Gonzaga. And let's take a look at a couple of dark horses that have caught my eye. One, Alabama to me is live. Uh, they were, I believe, 16 to 1 right now. And this is interesting also. Another storyline I mentioned the Gonzaga storyline that they are undefeated heading into the tournament, like Indiana was in 76, and UNLV in 91, and Kentucky in 2015, and Wichita State in 2014. And by the way, here's the other storyline. Could Alabama become the first school to win national championships in both football and basketball in the same season? Last team to do that, Florida in 2009. I love Nate Oates, their head coach. He's a Detroit guy. He was great at Buffalo. Bama can score 100 points just about any game. They're very difficult to play against. They're number one adjusted defensive efficiency. They launch about 33s a game, and they play very fast with great pace. Could Alabama, in your view, win it? Would you grab them at 16 to 1? I would not grab them at 16 to 1, but they certainly could win it. I do think they're undervalued. I, I hate, for the most part, betting futures because you get short paid on what's available. Very impressive what Alabama did today play a very good defensive team in Tennessee. They get down double digits and very high-scoring game. So Alabama was able to dictate the pace and against a really good defensive team come from way behind and not just win, but get a miraculous cover laying four. Front door to, yeah, good good point. And by the way, here's another factoid for you regarding the Alabama Crimson Tide. They're 19-0 and when they score 17. Or check that. I try that again in English. They're 19-0 and when they score 73 points or more. They scored 73 points mm. right on the number today. I've always liked Kelvin Sampson. I love what he's done at Houston. He's done a great job. They got hit hard by graduation last year. Their best player transferred to Florida State. What do they do? They come right out. They're right back where they were. I think they're – I don't know if they're live to win at all. You could have got them 20-1 to 1 last week. They're down to 18-1. to 1. Has Houston caught your eye? No, and the reason being is – call me jaded, Bernie. I just think that these mid-majors – it doesn't matter how good the team is. They're going to get a path that is not going to be. Well, remember, a Butler good one. got back to back. Go ahead. Yeah, but that wasn't necessarily that they got a favorable path. Butler was just really good, and I actually think that after yeah. Butler did that, that the committee said, you know, we don't want no more Butler in the finals. We're gonna, we're not gonna have have them wait until the finals to play Duke. We're gonna go ahead and schedule them to their death. It would not surprise me if poor Houston gets the lowest two and they get put right in Gonzaga's path in. In the uh, same bracket. Speaking of Butler, their prior coach, Chris Holtman, now at Ohio State, he will be entering a sixth straight NCAA attorney since coming over from Butler. Uh, I, I don't know if Ohio State's a legit contender. They play Illinois tomorrow. They're catching five and a half. That game's actually up to six now. Do you have any thoughts on that game tomorrow for the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten tournament championship? I don't want to step in front of Illinois as well as Illinois is playing. I do think the Buckeyes a little bit overrated just because they were able to face Michigan without one of their players today. And let's face it, uh, Buckeyes have come up completely empty in some key games, including you know the game, the game before against Michigan. So I think there was a time when we were talking about who's the best team in the Big Ten, and the Buckeyes have really faded out of that conversation big time. What's interesting is I think people have probably forgotten who the defending champs is, and it's Virginia with Tony Bennett. And they started very slow this year. They actually lost a game to University of San Francisco. Then they got crushed by Gonzaga. But since then, they've had a fairly strong showing good record versus quad one, 
quad two teams, any Tony Bennett coach team is going to compete. And since all these games are in this bubble, 25% crowds, we don't really know how that's going to factor in yet. Could Virginia sneak in there and be a factor? I don't see it happening, and I think they're a little bit overrated being the defending champion from two years ago. But let's face it, one thing that Virginia has going for them, because they're I know they're very efficient on offense, but they're very deliberate also. So they play games in the 60s and in the 50s. So it makes them more prone with, with not as many possessions to getting upset. And it makes it more likely that they can pull a big upset because there's just um, a smaller data sample of possessions in their game. So they're vulnerable to being upset, but they could beat anyone. I just have this sneaking suspicion this could be one of those oddball years where somebody comes in from left field because you have six independent trials. They're all one-game affairs. Who do you trust when the heat gets hot? It's hard to breathe. Who's going to make the free throws down the stretch? There's so many unknowns. And I wrote an article for the Betting Predators website this week, and there was a coach by the name of Al McGuire. He's a legend, rest his soul. His final year in 1977, he was coach of the Marquette, and they were called the Marquette Warriors then. And, you know, they were a seven, no big deal. They were a good team, not a great team. And right before the tournament started, he announced his retirement. And everybody says, oh, the diabolical Al, he's up to something. He's going to try to fire his team up. He never won a championship. And one of the reporters said, are you doing this, Al, to fire up your team so you can go to a winner? And Al said, look, we don't have a chance. But we're going to be like a cockroach at a plate of spaghetti. We're going to fall in and mess it up for somebody else. Well, three weeks later, they were in the finals against Dean Smith's North Carolina Tar Heels, and they won it all. Mm -hmm. So you just don't know if someone could come in on left field. And while we're at it, you've got Gonzaga or Baylor or the field, and you've told me which side you would Take. Yeah, I really like the field. I think you can get them minus 140 right now against Gonzaga or Baylor. Let's face it, Baylor, since they came back from COVID, they are not playing as well as they were before. Specifically, they almost lost to Iowa State, of all people, a, a team that didn't win a conference game all year long. And um, Oklahoma State, boy, they looked good against Baylor. Now, was that Oklahoma State? Or was part of that Baylor. So if I'm not so high on Baylor, I spoke about all the reasons that I don't like Gonzaga. I got to go ahead and take the field. He's Steve Fezzik coming up. We have got uh, Sleepy's best bet, and it will actually involve an NBA play. We're going to talk about Fez has a much better idea. Rather than bet a futures play, he's got something you want to hear about. He calls it a mechanical parlay. We're going to debate art versus science. And later on on the show, yes, there's props. And if you call our realist, if you recall in our Super Bowl show, I believe you went nine and two in the props. In the props you give out that night. So yeah, there are props uh, for March Madness, just like anything else. We've got that much, much more to get to. But first, well, let's go to the man who once told Lil Wayne, "True G's move in silence like lasagna." But I don't because I'm the silver tongue double. Let's go to Brian Finley with the latest. I believe Lil Wayne is a country singer, if I'm not mistaken. You're exactly right. That's what I thought. I'm looking forward to getting that newest album. College basketball. <laughs> album. Album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> College basketball is where we start, guys. Oregon State, the fifth seed, with an improbable run in the Pac-12 tourney as they roll and win the conference championship game. For the first time ever in program history, this time against Colorado, 70-68. to Warith Alatiche, the big man for the Beavers, winning the Pac-12 tournament MVP. 
Josh Pastner and his infamous face shield leading Georgia Tech to its first ACC Tournament Championships t- title since 1993 after emasculating Florida State 80-75. to Rick Pitino guiding Iona to the NCAA Tourney, winning the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference Tournament. And his Gales did not play a game from December 23rd all the way through February 12th because of COVID-19 flare-ups. Georgetown wins the Big East after they devastate Creighton in a lopsided affair, 73-46. The Hoyas in the big dance for the first time since 2015. As the guys were mentioning, Texas is able to take down Oklahoma State 90-86 in the Big 12 Tournament Championship. Matt Coleman for the Longhorns had a career-high 30 points. UC Santa Barbara derails UC Irvine 79-63 as... The Gauchos are Big West Tournament champs. San Diego State locks up the Mountain West crown, beating Utah State 68-57. Grand Canyon, yes, the Antelopes, devour New Mexico State 74-56 in the WAC Tourney Championship. And Bryce Drew, the head coach for the Ants, the Antelopes, leading that school to its first ever NCAA tournament berth. Meanwhile, coming up later on Sunday, LSU meeting up with Alabama in the SEC Tournament Championship game, and then Ohio State and Illinois vying for the Big Ten tourney crown on Sunday as well. And finally, boxing phenom Marvin Magler has passed away at 66 years old. All right, now let's get back to a man, Bernie Frado, who when he's not working the radio game and gambling away his money, he's out treasure hunting with his metal detector. That is... (laughs) It is the silver tongue devil, Brian Finley. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-888-FARMERS, and you could save a whole lot of something on auto insurance. All right, Sleepy back with the best bet. You know, there's an old saying, Fez, never hit a man while he's down. Kick him, it's easier. And Fez is going to take advantage of one NBA doormat tomorrow. Yeah, they're getting a bunch of points, but it's probably not enough. Let's give it a listen. All right, Bernie, here we go. Straight out of Vegas, best bet. Before I jump into that, let me just say rest in peace, Marvis Marvin Hagler. Boxing has lost a true legend. As for my big play here on Sunday, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump to the NBA here, Bernie. I'm going to take the Boston Celtics, minus the 10 and a half points. Going to be on the road here against the Houston Rockets. Bernie, this Rockets team is an absolute mess right now. Eric Gordon, he's going to be out four to six weeks with a moderate groin strain. And the best player on this team, Christian Wood, he's going to be out as well with an ankle injury. And to make matters even worse, you know, two of the guys that were actually healthy in John Wall and Daniel House Jr., they're going to be out as well. The Rockets brass, they've made it rather clear that pretty much every single Rocket player except Christian Wood is a disposable asset. Most notably, P.J. Tucker's been told that he will not see the court again for this Houston Rockets team. And the Rockets over the last 15 games, well, they've lost every single game. And not only that, 12 out of the 15 losses, they've lost by double digits. So I'm not too worried about going ahead and laying the lumber here with Boston. Boston, they lost their last game, so I clearly think they have the motivation edge here, but they also have that strong lineup edge. I believe this line probably closes north of 14 points, so I see value here in the Boston Celtics. I'm going to go ahead and make that my best bet for NBA on Sunday. Boston Celtics minus the 10.5. As they visit the moribund Houston Rockets, who, frankly, Fez, you could make a case Houston's really not even an NBA team right now. Yeah, and I think what happens is that oftentimes the odds makers just say, hey, I got a Boston team that's right around 500. They can't be laying, you know, 
more than 10 and a half on the road to anyone, but it's not anyone. It's not just the worst team in the NBA, but clearly the worst team with the lineup they're going to put out there. I like Sleepy's play a lot. Right. I don't think it's going to go up to 14, but I do think it'll probably inflate a little bit more. But it's a night late 10 and a half. Yeah, if they, and if it runs, there'll be buyback. There's always going to be buyback. And I, I full disclosure, I'm not involved on that game. But would you be surprised if you woke up and it was 117 to 91? No, I mean, but at, and at the same time, you just don't know because the NBA is weird right now. Speaking of that, before we get to your mechanical parlay uh, theory, which is excellent, uh, betting in handicapping is part science, part art. And what I mean by that is the science involves the power ratings, the numbers, the points per 100 possessions, all that in basketball. But then you've got to interpret that science. And part of it is situational spots. This is what the numbers tell us, but the game's going to be played today, and can we count on the art to back the science because what if someone rolls an ankle or what if somebody's not 100%, right? Or maybe Isaiah Livers comes back, plays for Michigan, but it's just not the same. Mm -hmm. And so there's an interpretation. And, Fez, it kind of engenders a discussion because the entire tournament's going to be played in this bubble in Indiana with four venues. No one's going to be traveling. You don't know how they're going to process that mentally. No, Obviously, no home crowds. There's ne there never is. But even still, you have a theory on how you can interpret this based on the fact that games are played in Indiana. I just think it's an advantage across the board for the Big Ten teams. I think that they'll have played in some of the venues before we talked about it. If any team that makes the Final Four will have just played in the Big Ten tournament in Lucas Oil. Now they'll get to play in that same venue. And I just think that the... Um, even with the 25% capacity that the crowd is going to back the Big Ten teams, I think advantage across the board to the Big Ten. All right, one of the things people talk about, the long shots, which we just sort of bandied about, Arkansas, for, Eric Musselman's done a phenomenal job down there. They're playing for the conference championship tomorrow against LSU. A week ago, you could have got them at 70-1. to 1. West Virginia, 40-1. to 1. Bob Huggins, I mean, West Virginia, they've lost all their games this year by less than five points, I think. Look. They have elite guard play, all those things. You can make cases. Houston, 20 to 1. Uh, I said Alabama, 16 to 1. But rather than tie your money up like that in a futures bet, you've got a better idea. Yeah, I'm a huge believer that instead of playing into the futures pool against the dastardly bookie that takes way too much vigorish in all these odds, he's short paying you. So just if you like a team to win the championship, just take that $100 or $20 or $10 you're going to bet on them and go ahead and just bet it on the money line in the first round. Cash your ticket and then roll it over and bet it on the money line in the second round and keep doing it each recursive game. Let me give you an example of how powerful this is. Houston right now pays 18 to 1. What's going to happen if you uh, go ahead and sleep in and just forget about the first two rounds? If Houston doesn't make the Sweet 16, you would have lost your, your entire um, bet anyways. But even if they make the Sweet 16, you made nothing already. Now go ahead and take $100, bet Houston in the third round. They'll probably be playing a team like Ohio State. It'll be close to pick them. You double up, and now you got $200. Then they play Illinois in the fourth round. You double up again. So they'd be a dog there for sure. Yeah, So I'm gonna, but I'm going to be— Cautious in my sure. numbers. I'm just going to say you're so at now double you've, up. You, now, now you're percent on your money. You're so now you're at four hundred dollars. Right. Okay, now they're going to play. Say they, they get a break. They don't have to play a number one seed. Say they play West Virginia in the final four. Double up again. Now you're at eight hundred. 
uh-oh, now you got to play Gonzaga. You're going to be a seven-point underdog. You can go ahead and take that 800. You're going to get plus 250. So you're going to go ahead and take that 800, and you're going to win 2,000. Boom. You've made 28 to 1 with this mechanical parlay on something that you would have only made 18 to 1. You're making an extra $1,000 on every $100 that you invest if you play it the way I'm advocating. Excellent. Now, I don't mean to put a gun to your head, but you are a mathematician at heart. Oregon, our numbers show, check that, Oregon State heading into the pack. 12 tournament four days ago were 28 to 1. If you'd bet them on the, they're a prohibitive dog every game. If you'd bet them on the money line under that same just $100, right, right around 45 to 1 with the three solid upsets. Yes. So, so there you have it. Good stuff. Coming up, we're going to get into props and other ways to bet the March Madness Big Dance tournament. Man, we're just hours away from Selection Sunday. We were robbed last year, and I'll tell you, uh, I always root for the story. I'm going to talk about that in a minute here. But, again, if, if you don't want to bet futures, if you don't want to bet a mechanical parlay, as Fez just said, and if maybe you're a little bored by some of the games themselves and you don't have an opinion on every game and you have the discipline not to bet the game just because it's on TV, Fez will have prop bets for you. This is his specialty. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Frado. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frado. Coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call Farmers today for a quote. Before I go any further, I want to thank the crew back in Los Angeles, the silver-tongued devil Brian Finley, the pride of Detroit Chris Perfett, and Ryan Bershinger, co-host of the Swing Shift podcast with Bull Benson. Thanks for all the hard work you guys do behind the scenes to get this show rolling. Fez, I'm really excited because I've always been taught, my mentor Dick Schaap, root for the story. I'm not rooting for any teams. And one of the things I'm hoping to see is which teams emerge, what signature moments there are, uh, the one moment in time thing, is it's not cheesy and corny, it's very real. But I look at it from a team standpoint. Um, before we get into your, your prop stuff, which is I'm really looking forward to here, you've got every year the tournament is sort of like its own snowflake. And what I mean by that is there are great teams, but they don't always win. And then sometimes the teams that win might not be the best team in the tournament. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. So uh, I heard several shows across the country the last couple of weeks talking about the greatest five teams in the history of college basketball. And you had the usual suspects. They missed one. The Georgetown Hoyas between 82 and 85, that class, they won it all in 84 when they beat Houston five slamma jamma. But they got to the finals and lost in 82 to Michael Jordan's team by one when downtown Freddie Brown threw the ball to the wrong guy. And then in 85, they were a prohibitive favorite against Villanova, who couldn't miss a shot. Dwayne McLean, Raleigh Massimino, they were a seven-point favorite. They lost by two. In four years, they went to the finals three times, won one, lost the other two by three points. They were a whisker away from winning three national championships in four years. Yeah, and so often to be the greatest team of all time, everyone says, well, you have to have won the championship. And the mere fact that you're a big favorite in the championship game speaks volumes that you were not just the best team that year, but one of the all-time great teams. They were like a seven-point favorite. I remember watching that game. One final thing, you talked about the 1990 UNLV running Rebels. Uh, I saw that team play in person three times. I saw them play at the Brent Center at UCI twice here at the Thomas and Mac. And they weren't undefeated. The team the following year was undefeated when they played Duke in the finals and lost to Bobby Hurley and company. 
they were mentioned as one of the five greatest teams of all time. And they had signature moments. But let's get to your matter at hand here because you are the prop master. You do extremely well at it. And I, we talked, I was joking that I believe that your over-under on Super Bowl props in terms of wagers made were would be north of 50. And I said I would take the over, and it would have been over. But you've got a very interesting thought process having to do with trends that will be coming up. We don't have the numbers yet, right? But each team, check that, each conference will have a certain number of entrants. But here's where your nuance is particularly interesting, and I'll tell you why. Because not all seeds are created equal. An eight seed from the SEC or the Big Ten might be a whole lot different from some of the other conferences, and I don't want to steal your sunshine here. Talk about the conferences you might fade in terms of total number of wins. Well, earlier in the show, I spoke about how I thought that the venue in Indiana was going to favor teams in the Big Ten. There's going to be a whole lot of teams there, and I think in general it's just going to favor teams that are going to be caught in that bubble for you know multiple days that are close in proximity. So I'm thinking about this, and I have an epiphany that, wow, I probably should be fading teams that are geographically far away from the Midwest. And then I'm like, why don't I just fade their conferences? Because they prop bets, all the books put up prop bets on how many games will the Big 12 teams win? How many games will the Mountain West teams win? How many games will the ACC teams Correct. win? Correct. So across the board, I got to tell you, I get to shop for the best number. I like the unders in all three of those conferences. And frankly, really any conference that's not close to the Midwest, I'm going to be looking to fade. And I think this is the most effective way to do it by betting ACC, number of wins in the tournament, under, Pac-12 wins, under, and like I said, Mountain West, under. I think it's awesome. And to your point, the only time I've ever played a prop of that nature was in 2013. That's when I was doing the pre and post for UNLV run of variable basketball. And the Mountain West put four teams in the tournament that year, including New Mexico as a three seed who proceeded to lose to Harvard in the first round. The, per, the total for Mountain West total wins in the tournament was two and a half. I played the under and it hit. The only team that got a win was Colorado State. They beat a really mediocre Iowa team. But UNLV lost, New Mexico lost, San Diego State. So to your point, these things aren't uh, – Created equally. And and remember, all of the betters are listening to the talking heads. They're talking about, oh, this team's going to make noise. This team's a sleeper. This team's going to go deep. This is a Sweet 16 team. No, there's just not enough um, room on the carousel, if you will, for these sleepers to get to the Sweet 16 with all these quality teams. So in general, the bookmakers know people want to bet on their conferences, and they inflate these numbers by about half a game, which gives you value looking to bet under. So as we wrap things up, you'll see the bracket tomorrow. It'll be out by, say, 4 p.m. Pacific. It'll be even before that. I'm guessing you'll look at various conferences. We know San Diego State will be in. You'll be able to see their path, who they've got to play in the first round. I'm guessing San Diego State's going to be a nine, which means they'll play an eight in the first round. But if they win, they're going to have to play a one in the second round. So do you look at the path of the teams and, for instance, the conferences they'll match up against? Yes. And I, my first step, actually, there's a book, Sharp Sports Betting. Stanford Wong has a chapter on this that says, hey, the typical number two seed wins 2.7 games. So that's my, my starting point, And then I'll tweak that number based upon what path they have in front of them. But that's my starting point. So I go to Stanford. Wong's work, uh, Sharp Sports Betting, for my first handicap. Interesting. So you look at it generically by seed as well before you look at the school because these things have a tendency to repeat themselves over the years. Yes, and most it's because just 
you know, a two seeds usually a number fifth and ninth best team in the country, and the path that they have, they should win two or three games. Any other final thoughts, Fez, as far as how you're going to approach this tournament other than betting the games themselves? Don't bet needle in the haystack stuff. Who's going to win the tournament? Look to bet prop bets, yeses and nos. Look to bet select games on the point spread. That's how the pros bet. That's how the pros make money during March Madness. Any other types of prop categories other than conference wins uh, when they roll out? And you'll start to see more of those on Monday and Tuesday. I think pay attention to the schedule because because the weekend – this. Games are Friday and Saturday, late Friday night, yes. late Saturday night. Fade the public team's late starting games. That is Steve Fezzik, folks. You want to follow him on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. And uh, always interesting perspective. Fez, uh, good to be with you tonight, man. As always, really, really good stuff. I can't wait for the tournament to start tomorrow. And by the way, don't forget to set your clocks forward. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville who brings it strong. It's time for the Jason Martin Show. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas!